Hi and welcome to this podcast, Ali. Uh, there is a dual happiness in having you on the podcast. One is obviously getting a guest just in time so that I can upload it. But the second is uh, I have seen you after a long time and it's such a pleasure seeing you. So I was thinking today, okay, what could be a probable first question since we haven't connected in a long time? Uh, I have an interesting question, thankfully. Uh, before I begin, uh, can you tell us a little about yourself or the audience to know? Um, okay. First of all, uh, Sundar, thanks for having me on this. You know, I follow your podcast more or less most of the time, but I miss some of the episodes. But um, uh, a little bit about me. Well, you know, uh, brought up in South Bombay, uh, privileged lifestyle. Uh, had uh, in London uh, for a for a major part of my life. Uh, came back uh, to India, went into school. Um, lost my uh, dad at the age of ten. Lost my mom ten years later. Only child. Uh, you know, the world kind of changes once you're alone. Uh, relatives and everyone. Everyone's got their own lives to live. And it goes on. But, you know, you kind of make it. So, you know, God has a path for your life and that's all you need to know. So you kind of meet uh, meet the people along your along the way that truly want to help you out. You, incidentally, by the way, are one of them. You know that. Oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's just... Uh, yeah, so basically, you know, uh, did my... Become as you know, you all have to learn nothing from it, and did my MBA and learned nothing from that either. And one fine day, I uh, was sitting with uh, a very dear friend, and uh, he and his friend convinced me to quit it all and do my photography, which I did, and I haven't looked back ever since. Well, and the rest it, of this, history. yeah, it is indeed. Uh... Uh, it's fascinating to uh, know this other backstory. Some parts of it I obviously knew, but uh, some parts are new to me as well. Uh, I'm quite fascinated that instead of directly saying that I'm a photographer, you went into the backstory and which kind of is also related to my first question. Uh, you are quite a passionate photographer. You quite... Uh, you can be very unreasonable till you get the kind of shot that you want, whatever I remember of uh, what you used to tell me and uh, the amount of hard work you used to put in. Uh, one of the questions that I want to ask you, as a human being, as a person, as a family person, the parts of you which are not your professional life, how does this... Uh, obstinate behavior towards getting what you want with your professional uh, whatever you are aiming at at that point of time affect your personal side or your human side or I by human I don't mean the professional is not human but uh, obviously professionally we are we are in a world where we we value this a lot the kind of output that we bring to the profession that we've chosen. So how does that impact the inner life that you lead as a family person or 
a father, a husband. So, you know, so you you always come straight down to the meat and potatoes and, and you, know, you don't even give me time to prep. So I'm going to answer it exactly as you probably want me to answer it, which is uh, from the hilt. Uh, so, yeah, you know, as far, my, as far as my profession is concerned, I am obstinate. Uh, I'm probably not. You know, everyone says that Ali is a really difficult person to work with. True. Uh, I've lost a lot of work because of that. I've gained even better clients because of that. True. Um, you know, I've got a 90%. Uh, my, my client base is probably 100 people. Or that 90% are repeats. Okay. okay. Uh, and it's it's clients that have built that we build relationships with. So it's a very long-term marriage for, for, for me specifically. Uh I think you know it's not it's not being obstinate, Surinder. It's more about being truthful to what you want to do and what you want to achieve. Um, just to give you a background on the business, and, and you know, Surinder, you know me well before most people knew me professionally, okay? And uh that you know, you know, there's that saying the the path to excellence is worth the while, but at the end, there really is nothing like that. The, the exist, excellence doesn't exist, right? It's a race with yourself. Uh, I wouldn't do it if I wasn't committed to it. Okay, uh, so it's not it's not being obstinate. It's just of finding. It's just a way of that I think I would like to do a job better for which my client pays me what they do and why, why, why they would want to hire me. Um, as far as my family is concerned, you know, Surinder, you can be obstinate, but when you have two girls, <laughs> you realize how powerless you really are, you know. <laughs> and uh, trust me, there's no, there's no obstinacy, uh, obstinacy, there's no stubbornness, there's no my way there. Uh, and I think with, with today's generation, they shouldn't be, right? Um, you know, I lost my parents at a very young age, and I'm the only child. Yeah. And I was blessed with two girls, uh, twins that do, right? So that urge for me to be able to, uh, you know, grow ties and kind of let them meander and find their own way is very important because... So it happened to me. It happened to me. You were one of those instruments. I mean, it happened to me. Um, you know, I started my photography at the age of 13, right? Uh, after my dad died. And then after my mom died, it was a great channel for me to focus on all the positivity in my life, right? Um, it was a tough time for me. Uh, there was no one. Imagine getting up in the morning. And I'd have this really wicked thought that if I died today, it wouldn't make a difference to anyone's life. It's a scary thought to have, right? So coming back to what I was saying is that that innate, um, I think you have to let your kids meander because the universe conspires to make a path for those who know where they want to go. And that's God's own truth, right? So the last time I worked was at low. I've never had, I've never worked since then. I've only played, correct? 
And I mean, if all the clients really knew how much fun I had doing my photography, they probably wouldn't pay me. And it, that would be probably okay as well, right? But uh, like you said, remember, we used to have these conversations, Bunty. We used to sit in the cafeteria with Chetan and we, and we used to speak about this, right? And really, it's true because, uh, you know, b- before before I got this job with Lo, you know, you always asked me about Ali, why servicing me kya kar rahe? Yeah, Remember, you used to ask me. <laughs> Let me tell you the insight to that. The insight to that is that, you know, life for everyone, no? Uh, Sundra turns full circle, right? Everyone goes through it. I finished uh, after my mom died and, you know, I got my got my work to do with the geographic and I met Susan Smith there and she was one of the most instrumental people in my life also. And I wanted to do architectural photography. I went up, uh, I went up to Delhi to meet one of India's best architectural photographers. I won't mention a name. And he told me to be at, be at his office at Connaught Place at 9.30 in the morning. And I turned up at 9.30 in the morning. There, all right. And he made me wait till 3.15 in the afternoon. And there was a boy. It was a boy at the time. I was, I was just after my 12th standard. I had my portfolio in my hand and I went to show it to him. And he was a god for me. He was a god. Right. Uh, I mean, he had an aura about him and it was just something else. And I went into the studio. He sat me down. He leafed through a 120 photograph portfolio in three minutes. Okay. And at the end, all he told me was, Ali, I don't think you have the potential. And I think you should do something else. Right. You sure? He said, I don't think you have the potential. I think you should do something else. Correct? But today, I still pass that that bench where I got out of his office. I sat on that bench at Connaught Place in Delhi. And I can take you to it today, blindfolded. Right? Um, And I sat there and I cried. Because at that point of time, there is no better option. You don't know. So I believe I am born to do photography. Seriously. And I mean that in the truest form of the word. I am born to do this. I couldn't do anything else. Right? Even if I tried. So my entire... So my, anyway, coming back to life turning full circle. In three years, he and I competed for a shoot with a client. I got the job being, I think, 15% higher on a court than him. Uh, recently? And no. Four Did years after he turned me out. Oh, okay. Four years after he turned me, turned me out. Mm-hmm. Right? Today, we meet as equals at, at, at the photography guild meetings. He doesn't still remember that I was there. He comes and comments on my work and, tell, and tells me how great it was. I don't feel the need to tell him because that would demean me and my parents haven't taught me that. But, you know, life, you know, Sundra turns full circle for everyone. It's not just me. It'll turn it for you. It'll turn it for your daughter, inshallah. It'll, it'll happen for all our kids. Right? The problem is that you have to be able to, to, to be gracious at that point to accept it and to take it in the right spirit. You don't take it in the right spirit and then, you know, you've had it. 
So coming back to my kids, so that's why I tell my kids, I said, do what you all want. You must excel at it. And I don't mean academically. I don't mind money-wise. You know, excelling has so many definitions. For me, it is probably... Uh, you know, getting recognition and getting my portfolio to a different level. For you, it is probably having a conversation with the person and trying to figure out what makes him tick. For my little daughters, it might be something else. It doesn't have to be money, right? And you will you will know this, Panti, when you and I were growing up, and you know, you and I have come from a similar generation, correct? Friends were still friends, right? I don't know if you've noticed this, but the world today has become so artificial, even in the corporate sector, that I still don't quite fit in. And I could never understand why. And then I realized that the world has gone so far ahead in terms of projecting stuff that they aren't really, that it scares me that my daughters would have to do it. And I'm consciously trying to tell them to be themselves. They don't have to be something they don't want to be. You know, you see profiles on LinkedIn and you see profiles on, on, on Facebook and, and you know, it's so artificial. I don't know if you feel this. I'm sure you feel this, right? Uh, and you, you talk about values. You know, the values workshop is, is about taking in and, and from whatever I've seen of the values workshop and which is why I, I unmistakably said I wanted to be a part of it was because of the fact that it always deals with stuff that is innately inside. But I don't think, uh, you know, 60 years down the line, there'll be place for a values workshop. Not because the, the, the generation coming up doesn't have values, but it's just that it's conveniently overpassed. It's conveniently forgotten. And I think it's an extremely sad uh, situation to be in. I mean, uh, you know, corporate life today, I mean, I'm, I'm so much a part of it. But I realize it's so shallow in so many ways. It's so put on. So I can I, I still wear my t-shirt and pair of jeans and go in and do my shoot. And everyone tells me, oh, you know, we were expecting someone else. And I said, yeah, you're expecting someone in a suit and a tie and, you know, with this whole team and, uh, you know, with the prima donna attitude. And you got, you got stuck with me instead. But unfortunately, you've paid me my 75% and you can't get out of it now. Right? So... That's yeah. that. That's basically so much of it. So it, I don't. I I just ask my kids to to meander through life. You have to meander through it. You can't meander through it, and you've you've rotted yourself. It's interesting that uh, although it seems a very longish answer, but you've been punctuating it with similar points again and again because it means so much to you. Uh, to answer the question you asked, do I see this in the outside world? Uh, yeah, my heart is heavy sometimes. I feel uh, this week has also particularly been uh, similar because I have been uh, I have been struggling to get a guest. I've told you this. Uh, this is kind of a reminder of what I am bringing to the world or I am trying to uh, contribute as a catalyst in my head. Uh, Somebody else called it, called the values workshop a body of work a week or so back. And I was smiling at myself because I don't see it as mine. To me, it is your voice, somebody, whoever I managed to get yeah. on, it is their voice. Yeah. And it is a world that we are creating. This is a silent rebellion of sorts. It's a silent rebellion oh, against sure. the 
supposed status quo where people like Ali would not want to come and talk about their inner life, but they are comfortable enough to do so because of the ambience we are together creating. No, we do it because of you. I mean, you know, I know you, you've been like this all your life. I mean, I remember when we were working together, you were exactly like this. You you always questioned, right? We should have these conversations. It was always a question. I remember our conversation was intrinsically a conversation of questions, <laughs> right? We may it's not have had all the answers. Because, because of the last few lines that you said, the idea is to provoke. Absolutely. In my head, the idea is to provoke. And uh, the conversations can turn wherever they want. There have been times when I've been listening to things which I do not like, which do not match with mine. But that's not the point at all. As long Absolutely. as there are deeper, deeper ways of looking at things. And they are, they are an honest way to reach out to each other. You know, talking about vulnerabilities in a in a world which is so proud of its strength in every manner. Yeah. Is these lies that you speak of, or these shallow things, uh, shallow behavior, or, or the short term attitude of a lot of corporates and people that we are surrounded with. Uh, today, uh, after a long time, I traveled in a local train, not because of anything else, but because I after COVID, there is very less traveling I intend to do. And, most of the time I'm on my bike and I manage to be around in the in 20, 30 minutes I reach wherever I have to. But today it was raining and I decided to take the train. And I was inside the train and I took a fast train. If people who are watching it from Bombay, they would know that it is always crowded. And I had something fragile uh, in my hand. And I was standing and I was very happy. Because I was thinking of a couple of my friends who are these uh, who are very accomplished in the corporate world. Um, yeah. And they, they were there. Accomplished, uh, accomplished by whose standards? Yours or uh, in the, the world? The, in the world that we live, they are, they are presidents and vice presidents. They have large cars and they have good flats mm -hmm. and uh, a good uh, sense of where to uh, invest and all kinds of things. They are good people. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. that I look down upon them. They are very close to me. Uh, friends, relatives, all of them included. And I said, yeah, they've not been traveling in the train for a, for about now 15, 20 years now. And I, I continue to do so because I remember one part of me uh, many years back, uh, I had called this the Amol Palikar life in my head. And I said, Isse nahi jana. I want to stay middle class. Yeah. In my head, that was my ambition that somehow I should manage to satisfy my creative urge without losing out my basics. And I didn't know how, because today it seems very funny that I live that kind of life. But at that point of time, I had no clue. And I used to think either I'll have to sell out or else I'll be a good for nothing. There is no in between. But today I find it lucky that like your life, my life, I get some people who understand me, some people who don't like me. Yeah. And uh, I managed to get the kind of work that keeps my head ticking. Uh, I make decent money most of the time. And I find there is there is a path somewhere out there if you stick to what your basics are. And Absolutely. when you talk about meandering, the, the reason why I'm bringing this up because a lot of people might think meandering may mean, uh, mean goalless. It's not goalless. It is... It is finding that every goal can change. 
at some point you may realize that okay today this is my high point but this doesn't matter these days so today i'll do this so i remember uh, funnily enough you keep asking me whether i remember what i used to tell you uh, me and jethan very fondly remember uh, nagging you and troubling you yeah, and yeah. really being uh, quite vicious about it because we were very clear that yeah. you got to live your dream if you want to have a good life we didn't know that yeah. you would be successful or this successful or not or whatever the idea sure. is not about planning for every turn on the way it cannot happen it just cannot happen no matter how many these guys who i talk about accomplished they also had a lot of serendipity happened to them on and off they may see it like yeah. that or not i have no clue but my question is why bother planning so much and life anyway does with you what it wants <laughs> but you know sarinder you're absolutely right i'll tell you what for a boy who had no family at the at 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 you know when my mom finally died uh i got parents my adopted parents who took care of me i mean who are there even today uh who are from my wife's side of the family and i've got a sister i never had i've got an aunt that gave me more love than my real aunt ever did and it's so ironic you know today like i i keep talking uh, i i keep sometimes you know i get up in the middle of the night and you know i want to watch a little television or i want i, I want to just sit and do a little reading and i think back to myself and i say every person in my life today who i hold true to my heart whether it's my adopted parents my adopted brothers my aunt my 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 adopted family i literally have no connection by blood there is not one person in my life besides my children who i who are endearing to me that i have a i have a connection with blood by blood too it's so ironic but such is life and that is so beautiful right? because that's not the only story that i know, <laughs> I know a few few friends like you who've seen who've seen the best that life has to offer best that yes. life has to offer but they've been adopted not even by aunts and uncles but by friends <laughs> and have spent their entire absolutely. lives with their friends and it absolutely. is so beautiful uh, one question i had uh, i don't want to lose it because it's very fragile as a thought also you no, said sure. they are not related to you by blood uh, whoever now no, we are not getting into all of that yeah. just the fact that do you think context and content of the relationship itself is not really dependent on blood on on even the way we uh, we nagged you as far as we were concerned you were just one guy we could punch holes in and of course we never meant any harm but you were like yeah, yeah ali aaya to isko thoda pareshan kar so it was not that we thought ke re iska zindagi bahut behtar bana tha aisa kuch idea nahi tha it was very fun and games thing But yeah, we wished well for you. Okay, okay, अच्छा लड़का है, अच्छा हो जाएगा तो ठीक है. But not that we bothered so much. No, so what absolutely. What I'm trying to say is this space of where you are really not bothered, but you are being honest to your own self. Absolutely, absolutely. Does this trigger of goodness in your life? If you are honest to yourself, in so the most you know what? Point, you know, you asked me, does it bother you that these people who who you love so much are not? the question you effectively asked me was does it bother me the people that uh, i i'm fond of so much in my life are not related to me by blood that that is the basic premise of the question am i correct 
all along, not just related to family. Yeah, all along. Yeah, that was the basic premise. Yeah. No, it doesn't because, uh, so you know what, so then I was I was born and lived and still do a life of great luxury, by God's grace. I really do. Okay, uh, and I don't mean that in any other way, but in in truth, in truth, right? Um, through upbringing and through my mom's side of the family, I'm very, very blessed. So I've had that kind of a life. Uh, I've, I've seen how it goes. But after my parents passed away, it was a huge, huge turning point for me because it's not that I was ever in bad financial straits or anything, but it's just that uh, relatives who were supposed to be there weren't. Not that you'd expect them to be. Look, everyone's got their own lives. Everyone has to deal with it. And there's no animosity. Mm. But there were people who were not related to me, who took me into their house, made me a brother, made me a son, made me a nephew, right? And gave me so much more I mean, I've never lived in a joint family like I've lived there. I mean, I didn't even know family sat together in it because we never did it. With my mom, dad and us, we were just a nuclear family. And uh, our engagement with so-called blood rel relatives was, 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 yes, once in a way, it was very enjoyable. But it, it wasn't like a proper joint Indian family. I mean, I had no idea of how that worked. I didn't know how the function worked. Right. So for me, it was a major, major, major big thing. I mean, I mean, I couldn't figure out, should I tread left or should I tread right? So these people took me under their wing. Uh, and even today, he's such a paternal influence in my life. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I don't have anything in common with them on blood. Nothing. We have nothing. We have nothing. Right. And uh, tomorrow he's coming over and, uh, you know, my adopted mom's coming over and the kids are excited because Dada and Dadi are coming over and we are going to have a ball. But such is life. So I always say, you know, there is always a space and a time for everything. And and, and there are some, some people like my, my, my real dad and he and I had such a great relationship as well with my father. And at the age of nine, he had said, he had said, if a man can find friends that number within the fingers of a palm, he's lived a life well lived. And it's true. It really, really is. Yes, right? Uh, so, you know, I, 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 I want this for my kids in the sense, you know, I'm sure you as a dad think about sometimes, I don't know about if you do, I mean, you, you're a lot more in touch with the cosmos than I am, but you know, as a dad, you're you always wonder where should I draw the line where values are concerned and street smartness starts, right? Unfortunately or fortunately for me, values is still always one. Because they will have that uh, they will have the time to nurture the street smartness. But the maximum values you pick up is with your parents. And I picked up mine with my my with my real parents. I picked up mine with the with my adopted parents. 
Uh, and it's just been a huge, huge thing for me. It's been a very huge thing for me. It's, it's been a very that you bring this up. Uh, I mentioned this in one of the earlier episodes uh, with one of the teachers because it went into a lot of parenting issues that we spoke of. One of the things that I've tried to do is instead of uh, giving a list of do's and don'ts, I try and put forward the vulnerability part of living up to the value as well. Because mm. very often it's it's kind of cast in stone. You have to speak the truth always. I mean, if you're going to reprimand her the moment she comes and says, okay, dad, I dropped that thing that was so dear to you and yeah. it's broken. Like she mentioned yeah. when she was growing up, she said, the same glass had I dropped, everyone in the family no. would have reprimanded me. And yeah. now you've dropped it, nobody's reprimanding. Do you reprimand yourself having dropped the glass and there's a mess? And I learned telling her, yes, we would have not, uh, but you have a point. Yeah. So we left it there. Instead of lying about it, no, no, we are also very particular about this and that. And then sometimes, I think very rarely I tell her when I'm fed up. I think I'm your father, I decide. <laughs> but but you know something, Surinder, that's also evolution. It's evolution of parenthood also. You know, oh, every yeah. generation uh, takes takes circumstances that are acceptable within society now and then goes on, right? Um, yeah, for like, us also. Yeah, but I, I just don't want to come to a point where my kids have to sacrifice values for political correctness. That shouldn't happen. Um. Okay, even that, okay, I'll, I'll just put this as an example. Uh, uh, very often when we got a phone in the house, earlier phone was a big deal. So we mm -hmm. also learned to lie better. With a mobile phone, we learned to lie even better than better. Uh, oh, I'm not here, I'm here, mm -hmm. I've reached this place, I'll reach in 20 minutes, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I missed your call. And whatever, whatever we do with. Uh, I realized very quickly that being a parent meant take, making that choice. And you have mm -hmm. to live it in front of them for them to follow you. If you only tell them and you keep doing the reverse, then they will learn the reverse, no matter how much you preach. You have to practice. Yeah. It cannot be American, do as I say, but don't do as I do. It cannot happen. Oh, absolutely. So absolutely. you have to keep doing it. Absolutely. And then when I failed, there were a couple of things that I used to do and I used to tell her I'm trying. So she learned to respect that fact. Earlier she was very angry that you keep saying this is a bad thing, but you continue doing it. I said, but I'm trying. It's, it's not in my hand so far. Uh, so I'm, yes, it was wrong. So I realized that at least after 20 minutes, of, say anger issues sometimes. I had two patients in my house, you know, a bit about that my dad, my yeah. wife. So it was tiring. Some days I would uh, be very angry or something or blast out. Yeah. And then, but I realized it wasn't continuous. Also because I've been meditating to help myself stay calm. So throughout, then I realized after a point I was not as angry. So that is the point you have to come back and make corrections if you can. And I used, I to, come in, I, I used to come back and then be honest okay, okay uh, look, I'm trying to control my anger. This is why I got angry because I'm frustrated about this part. Then she would actually become a mother and console me. Okay, it's okay. I understand. Somebody I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so so 90% of the time, right? So we are afraid of failing emotionally in front of our children. 
Yeah. We don't, and then this, uh, this, 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 this came to me like a bolt or the out of the blue just two years ago. Okay. And uh, I, I, I'm not comfortable telling you the situation, but I, okay. but, but, yeah, but I, I'll tell you one thing. It's a great feeling to be able to fail emotionally in front of your kids and yeah. have your kids pick you up. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's just amazing. It really is. Right? Because it's human. <laughs> it's human. It's not about age. Time, <laughs> so for the first time, as parents, you know, parents have to realize we're not gods. Yeah. We're human beings, right? And 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 as uh, infallible as we want to be, we aren't, right? We are we are regular guys who who are doing a regular job, trying to bring up two children or you know one child or three children, the best way we can, giving them values that that have stood us in good stead. And it's okay to fail at, at sometimes. It's absolutely fine. I mean, once you realize that, I mean, my daughters today mother me so much more than probably I father them so and I enjoy it they're they're all of 11 and I think it, they're fantastic in it okay and uh, my wife it... my wife is my wife is the consummate mother I mean the amount she's brought so so she elected to be a full-time mom and uh, the amount of effort that goes into being a mom oh man yeah. I mean it is unbelievable it is unbelievable. I mean, I, I I loved my mom so much more after I realized and I saw how much my wife does for my children. It's yeah. it's insane. It's literally a full-time job, right? It's a full-time job, true. The one thing that I wanted to ask you, uh, it's interesting that you brought up this example. Uh, even if uh, this happens to be the last part, I want you to uh, give me an answer on this. Uh, as parents, we are a bit of control freaks. Not because we want to be control freaks, because we are very fearful. At least the initial part of parenting to me, I would think uh, I had a lot of issues, guilt and that I'm not giving enough time. And uh, off late, uh, after COVID, once my work started in full flow, uh, so often that she comes and wants to talk to me, but I just do not have the time uh, so I make up in some manner or the other, but some days are quite bad. Like the entire week could be bad sometimes. And you know that you just cannot give time. But now I made my peace with it, understanding that life has many more perspectives and you have to uh, be equal to all the challenges that come up. How do you uh, figure out the fragility and accept it? You said that you allowed yourself to emotionally break or you may have broken by chance. I do not know what was the scene. But my question is just one little moment prior to that. How did you bring about that uh, strength to be vulnerable in front of people who you think are your responsibility? <laughs> okay, so I'll be very honest here. Uh, it was more of uh, the futility of the situation. Okay. And I'll be honest, it wasn't it wasn't a grand plan. It was more of the futility of the situation where I said, you know what? They have to grow up and realize that we are, mis we are adults who make mistakes just like them. And I said what I had to say out of pure futility 
not realizing that my babies weren't babies anymore, <laughs> right? And one of them came up to me and uh, she said, Dad, it's going to be okay. And, you know, the, the so, uh, you know what's, Surinder, a lot of uh, situations, and, and you definitely know this as a parent, right? And in fact, it may not hit you as hard as it is with your wife. I mean, I'm sorry I'm opening a can of worms for both of us here, but such is the truth. When kids come into those equation, they teach you more about yourself than you could have ever taught yourself. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Uh, kids are great tools for introspection. Right? Yeah. Um, and I think we learn probably a lot more from children than the children learn from us. So Absolutely. I think parents, parents is actually, I think parenthood is actually more of a learning curve for us than it is for our children in their childhood. Correct. Sorry, you were saying something about uh, how uh, you have uh, taught your kids to pray and uh, how your family prays, something about uh, yeah. so, beliefs. So I'm saying, yeah, so 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 she so the kids pray a lot. And I think it's good to kind of you know, prayer is a great way to admit things to yourself where you've you know gone wrong in your life or in your day. All right. And I think prayers is a great tactic admission to yourself, Surinder, about what's really gone gone wrong. Right? So they've learned that, they've learned the importance of it. And I think there's nothing better than to teach your kids a channel of introspection. And I think prayer is just, just the way to do it for all of us, right? Basically, again, uh, what I think about uh, these kind of conversations as well, it is just putting a vulnerability out there and, and trusting that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be fragile at times. Uh, this so-called macho image of we've got an answer to everything and we shall fight it out or we shall... Even uh, when I was growing up, uh, I I was quite happy to read that somebody had written, you do not conquer nature. You are yeah. part of nature. And yeah. I thought it was such a telling statement on how humanity had missed the point uh, in the modern ages, uh, with the advent of technology, we kind of have this whole idea of being a superpower over everything. Yeah. Uh, even in our yeah. prayers and stuff like that, uh, there is this whole thing of, uh, because I have prayed, I should get it. Whereas the element that you have put forward, that it is an understanding. You know the point that you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I will forget it again. The point that we were talking about prayer was, I was going to tell you that my kids always ask me, they said, uh, you know, what did you pray for? And yeah, the conversation stemmed from the fact that you and I were saying, you know, we were making peace that if I die even tomorrow, you're going to be very satisfied. Yeah. Remember? So that was the conversation. That was the trigger. Correct? So I, I wanted to tell you about prayer and I wanted to say that, you know, when I sit to pray and I always tell my kids this, they, they'll always say, Daddy, what did you ask for? And... Um, I can say it with the greatest pride and, and, and pride and solace that uh, I don't ask for anything. I just ask to just let it be. You know, just, just to, to, so 
there comes and and it's not it's not about me being a better human being or a superior human being it's you know surrender you come to a point in your life where you realize the race was with yourself correct and i've mentioned this before and the funny part is you've won 5 years ago because the moment you've crossed that bridge or that threshold from being competitive i think you evolve into a state of consciousness where it's not about it's not about the journey it's not a, you know it's a very malay statement but it's about just being true to yourself in every possible way even today when i sign off you know client will always come and you know with with with, with the work i mean you direct you you act so you interact directly with the owners and and they'll always come and ask they're like are you sure the shoot's gone well are you i i are you sure you're happy with the job and i will always tell them with the greatest pride and i don't mean this with any kind of uh, overconfidence or anything but i always tell them i said i doubt i could do a better job than this right uh till the time i don't say that i will keep trying okay but uh, i think it's it, it that's the best thing to tell yourself because when you really believe that uh and you have to believe it out of the greatest humility i mean you can't believe it out of anything else it can't be pride it can't be you know no one's as great as me it it's absolutely out of the greatest humility you tell your client that i've done the best job i can all right i think there is no better sleep to be had okay this is a funny thing because this reminds me of a of a quote that i used to use with a friend of mine and uh, as a lucky coincidence it is about the other ali <laughs> mohammed ali <laughs> he yeah. used to say it's hard to be humble when you are as great as i am <laughs> yeah Yeah. and she used to yeah. remind me and uh, i was like yeah the tiger is old now uh, a little wiser and yeah, yeah, yeah. there are other things at work uh, yeah. it's interesting because i remember as a as a person out of college or maybe i was just working or something and i had asked this of many people including a friend that i remember that we were sitting and i just asked him if you could change one thing about your life what would you change and his answer was oh many things <laughs> yeah and i found that that is not a well lived life even young as i was i'm very proud of whatever in our journey that i you know to be through. honest i get that question so many times i really do surrender and honestly i wouldn't change one thing in my life yeah it's been a cannot. privilege to live yeah and it's it is all interconnected it is just life bubbling all the time what is it that you can choose and even yeah. the good things are bad and the bad things are good when you get wiser you realize what you are harking after yeah <laughs> absolutely going to sting you <laughs> absolutely absolutely or you know what you harking after is actually been with you all your life you just never looked at it correct possibly, possibly. you know yeah so uh, it's a it's been a wonderful chat as always you know, yeah always. it's, it's gone about so long <laughs> I know. I know. You have that ability. You have an innate ability to to connect, and it's something that I've always admired about you. I don't have it, but 
I think I think you you have a great way of uh, you know the art of conversation is still truly and well alive in you. Uh, I just hope that means in a good sense because as a kid I was reprimanded for this for a long time. <laughs> you and I are are uh, are too close to me to to mollycoddle my words with you. You yeah. know that. So thank you so much uh, for being on this podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Vidal. It was a pleasure to have me. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on it. It was a privilege to be a part of all of this. Thank this you. body of work. Thank all you. Right? <laughs> I'll see you around. Bye, Vidal. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.